Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's life-changing message from the Equipping Church. We pray you are empowered and encouraged by the Word of God. We thank you, Lord. Woo! I'm telling you, there's an atmosphere in the building. Oh, it's so good to be in this atmosphere. I spent two days with doctors and all these people who are way smarter than me and uh, learning words like uh, sympathetic partnering and uh, neuroplasticity and all these things that my brain did not comprehend, but I passed my exam with 100%. Hallelujah. And uh, just another step in the journey of following the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you, it's so good to be in an atmosphere of anointing where there's a greater hope than a machine. <laughs> I, I, I was around, you know, this machine stuff for a couple days, and, and I'm excited for it. It's a great tool that the Lord's brought into my life and all this stuff. But I'm telling you, that I, I was watching people, and I'm going, man, they still got demons. <laughs> they still need to get free. They need a touch of the Holy Ghost. And uh, it's just so good to be in this atmosphere with you this morning. So good to have Pastor Tim with us this morning, uh, all the way back from the Philippines, doing great work in the Philippines. We do extend our condolences. Papa Dorn has, has gone on to glory. Uh, Tim's dad, uh, 90, almost 94 years old, had served the Lord for over 70 years in the nations. And so we do extend our condolences. Great to see you, Pastor Tim and uh, the great work that you're doing in the Philippines. I saw your post, one of their churches already out of room in the Philippines. Isn't that incredible? Hallelujah. We celebrate that. We celebrate the work of the kingdom. Amen. We celebrate that. Hallelujah. I'm tempted just to keep moving in that direction, but I feel that I need to preach this morning. I feel that I, I need to bring this word. We, we talked last week about fireworks. Anyone remember that message? Fireworks. And uh, we talked about uh, that, that there's so much to be said. And uh, we talked, you know, that fireworks displays take a lot of work and preparation. And that, that we don't come into a work of the Holy Ghost without work and preparation. That we can't just expect it to happen. That there's got to be preparation coming up to that. And that... Even if you visit or frequent a fireworks stand, you're not going to have a fireworks display. That you might, you might visit it, you might see all the stuff that, that, that's there, but just because you see them doesn't mean they're actually a display. Then we talked about that fireworks do have an inherent risk. They can be dangerous. We know that there's been abuses of the work of the Holy Ghost. That there's been people who've tried to use it to their own advantage. And then we talked about how fireworks don't have to be limited to once a year. And that we can have fireworks all the time. That may, you know, maybe in the state of Texas, we're allowed like one or two, I think it's two days a year. You can buy them 10 days out of the year. But in the Holy Ghost, fireworks can happen all the time, and they should happen all the time in every part of our lives. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the 10 ways that fire works. Okay? 10 ways that fire works. So we're not talking about fireworks, we're talking about how the fire works. All right? You have to forgive the English teacher this morning. I, I, I'm a word nerd, and I love making words work in different ways. But have you know that each firework has a specific purpose, right? You have the ones that you shoot off into the air. You have the ones you toss on the ground. You have those little snapper things. I don't call those fireworks. Those are just toys. But, you know, each one has a purpose and objective, and it isn't enough to want fireworks. We must understand why we need the fire. Because in order for a firework to work, you've got to light it on fire. 
You've got to ignite something. There's a fire, and, and we need the fire of the Holy Ghost. And I'm preaching it in this order because most Pentecostals have become so focused on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we will discuss next week. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit next week. But they've become so focused on the, the gifts of the Holy Ghost that they've overlooked the ongoing work of the Holy Ghost in our lives in a daily basis. And too often we've restricted or we've boxed in the Holy Ghost to a few outbreaks and services. Oh, the Holy Ghost was really working last week. He should be working in your life on a daily basis. We should be experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. That The Holy Spirit should be working inside of us on, on the regular. That it shouldn't be just reserved to, oh yeah, Pastor Jacob, he was really moving in the Holy Ghost last Sunday. You should be moving in the Holy Ghost all the time. And the Holy Ghost should be moving in you all the time. And so we're, we're going to look at that because the truth is, is that he has works that he performs daily in our lives if we allow him to do so. If you had to write a job description for God, what would it say? If you had to sit and, and write, Pastor Susanna and I have been working on the, the job description for the youth pastor. And, and she sent me some great comments back and fix this and do this and, and all of that. And if we were to write a job description for God, maybe it would say something like, God makes sure everything in the universe is working properly. That's a pretty poor job description, but that's how some would describe it. I was talking with someone the other day, and they said, well, I don't call him God. I call him Creator. Okay, well, the Creator has a name, and his name is Jesus. His name is Father. His name is Holy Ghost. We, 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 we understand that. He's not just Creator. We've got to understand that, that he is God, and he's God all by himself. Maybe we would say something like, God is to look out for the orphans and the widows and those who are down and out. God is to love everyone. Maybe it's God is to hold everyone accountable for their sin, their actions, their attitudes. If you were to write a job description for Jesus. Now I know I'm going to upset one theological camp there and then probably upset another theological camp there. But if we were to write a job description for Jesus, what is his job description? Well, Jesus forgives sins. Or... Jesus provides healing for our bodies. Or Jesus is to change my heart. We could come up with all these things. But what about, I think, the least known person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Ghost? I think that oftentimes we stop at just Him being the Holy Ghost. Almost like gravity. He's just there. We just treat Him as some ominous, invisible force that is not personal, that we can't really know the Holy Spirit. He just kind of moves in when He wants and moves out when He wants. And I think that that's really sad. Because I think we need to have an intimate relationship with the third person of the Trinity. We need to know the Holy Ghost. And so, is His job just to make our services powerful? Is it to give us goosebumps? Is it He's just for a few gifts that operate occasionally? And I think the Holy Spirit has been given a job description by God, and it's crucial for us to understand His role, or we miss out on accessing these things that He does in and through us. So I want to look at how fire works. All right? Here's the first thing. The Holy Spirit brings regeneration. That's a theological word. I spent all weekend with a whole bunch of doctors. I'm going to use my own big words this morning. I have a right to them. I studied them. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you what it means. The word gener regeneration is only found twice in Scripture. Twice. Two times. 
And one of these deals specifically with the role of the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 4, and 5. Write that down if you're taking notes. Titus 3, 4, and 5. It'll be up on the screen. But when the goodness... And the kindness, loving kindness of God our Savior to man as man appeared. He saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we we had done, but because of his own pity and mercy by the cleansing bath of the new birth, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit. I want to read it out of another translation. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love toward man appeared... Not by works done in righteousness, which we did ourselves. Let's make that clear. We could not regenerate ourselves on our own. We could not do the work in and of ourselves. And he did not appear because we had done anything good. But out of his own pity and mercy, according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. This word regeneration literally means new birth. It's the Greek word palingenesia. Palingenesia. It's a fun word. I like it. Say it. Palingenesia. I'm probably pronouncing it totally wrong. Palingenesia. It's used by the classical writers with reference to the changes produced by the return of spring. So when spring comes, what happens? Anyone looking forward to spring? Kind of over the little bit of cold that we've got and you just want like 70s and 80s and beautiful sun and walk and all that fun stuff. But what happens? Flowers begin to come out, right? We begin to see the, new, the green, the colors, the, everything begins to start. It's a renovation of our heart. When the Holy Spirit begins to bathe us in regeneration, it's a regeneration of our heart. It is a renovation of the inside of us. It's, it's demo day and building day all at the same time. He tears down the things, those idols, those walls in our hearts, those those obstacles, and then He begins to build anew on the inside of us. In other words, one of the Holy Ghost's role in our lives is to work with Christ to change our heart, to bring rebirth to us, to make everything new. If you've been saved, or if you're going to get saved this morning... To be born again, the Holy Spirit will have a hand in that process. It is one of the ways that the fire works. Regeneration. Number two, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. We don't like this one. John 16, 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I go, I will send him unto you. And he, when he has come, will convict the world in respect of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. One of the key ways that the fire works is that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. This happens leading up to salvation and continues after salvation. The Bible declares that no one comes unless the Holy Ghost draws them. So we can... preach till we're blue in the face to someone, but until they get convicted of their sin, all they're doing is giving lip service and repeating a prayer. Can we be real about that? Now, I'm still going to offer the message of salvation. I'm still going to offer that prayer because I don't know what the Holy Ghost is doing on the inside of somebody. Someone once told me, oh, you, you shouldn't do those sinner prayer things. Listen, I'm not God and I don't know what's happening on the inside of someone. And they may have been convicted for weeks and they come into this place and all of a sudden they start praying a prayer that they'd been wanting to pray but didn't know how to pray. So they have an encounter with God because God had been convicting them of their sin. 
But you know, I think the church often is okay with the conviction of the sinner, but we get a little touchy when he starts to convict our sin after regeneration begins. We're like, okay, don't touch that part of my heart, God. I want to think that way. I want to behave that way. So it doesn't just happen leading up to salvation. It continues after salvation because he is in some ways our spiritual referee. He's going to throw the flags out. Some of y'all are thinking about Super Bowl. I'm going to tell you, no matter who wins, ain't going to be worth watching. And I want to challenge you, turn it off at the halftime. Can I just tell you, maybe watch the football, but, but turn it off at the halftime. Don't watch that demonic stuff. They have a whole ritual planned today. It's a whole demonic, satanic ritual that will be broadcast all over America. Don't watch it. You invite demons in your house. If you call me afterwards, I watched it. There's a demon in my house. Get your own oil. <laughs> I warned you. No, I love you. I'll come do some ghost busting if we need to. But, but the Holy Ghost, he, he blows the whistle when we're about to commit a foul or step out of bounds. This is important because presently there is no difference, and I won't look up when I say this, but I put it in my notes. There is no difference between the way many of us live and the world. I said it and then I looked up, right? Just gave the warning there. Many people do the same thing the world does. We go to the same places, we drink the same things, we say the same things, we struggle with the same things. And let me tell you, you can't change it without the Holy Ghost. You can't change it without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who will convict us and cause us to desire and live righteously in the middle of a sin-filled society. Many Christians seem to have a hard time knowing what is right or what is wrong. But if you've got a relationship with the Holy Ghost, He will help you discover what to do. I have conversations with people all the time. What do you think I should do? What are you convicted to do? What has the Holy Ghost already put on the inside of you? Now, I can tell you, based on what Scripture says, what is right and wrong. That, that's easy. But what about some of those gray areas? How do we navigate those things? How do we... The Holy Ghost... And then I'll always know when someone's not listening to the Holy Ghost because they'll have ten reasons why it's okay. And very rarely will it be, well, I'm not convicted. Oh. Well, let the Holy Ghost convict you because that's what He wants to do. Galatians 5.16. I'm going to read a little bit of a, a passage here. But I say, walk by the Spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Did you catch that? If you walk by the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary the one to the other. I'm reading out of King James this morning because I love how it says it here. That you may not do the things that you would. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you've ever noticed that anyone who walks in legalism struggles way more with sin than someone who walks by the Spirit. Because if you're under the law of legalism, you will constantly be trying to fulfill a law that Jesus already fulfilled. He already fulfilled it. 
He said, I did not come to abolish it. I came to be the law for you so that you would not have to struggle with the law. But I would give you the Holy Spirit to convict you of righteousness so that I might empower you to live a sin-free life. That's good preaching right there. I'll just... Verse 19 says this, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Get this. Listen to all of this. We love to pinpoint sin in the world that we think is most heinous, right? We all have, uh, don't look at me like you're so holy. Uh, We all have ones that we think, oh, that's the worst one, right? But it says fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities. What is enmities? Bitterness towards your family members. Strife. Jealousies. I wish I drove the car that person drove. You're under the law if you're still manifesting that. Wraths, factions, divisions, parties, envies, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I forewarn you, even as I did forewarn you, that they who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And we have people who for years carry around strife and division and act so holy. And yet he says, you do those things, you don't inherit the kingdom. Does not say you lose your salvation. Can we understand the difference there? It means you get to heaven and you have no reward. You get there, but there's no reward there. You do not inherit what is there. You make it in, but you don't inherit. Well, that's a whole other theological discussion. Some of you, I lost you right there. We'll come back to that. Maybe we'll do a Bible study about it and take you theologically deep into the weeds. Hallelujah. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control, Against there is no law. No law about operating in those things. And they that are of Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and the lusts thereof. If we live by the Spirit, by the Spirit let us also walk. I could end the message right there. I'm not going to, but I could. Because Paul can preach all by himself right there. That, that passage right there. It is living and it is walking in the Spirit. His fruit is different than the world's fruit. You need Him. You need the fire because it works. You get that this morning. Number three. The Holy Ghost comforts in times of sorrow. John 14, 16. And I will pray the Father and He will give you another comforter that He may be with you forever. Some of you are facing dire situations. Some of your lives and situations are in chaos. They're out of control. How do you keep it all together? Because there will be seasons where everything's out of control. This positive Christianity that says that everything will be flowers and roses and banquet tables clearly have bought pop psychology. Because I can tell you, I've served Jesus for years and I've gone through seasons that were out of control, that were messy, and I had nothing to do with it. So how in the middle, when the wheels fall off, do we keep it together? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. I love the story. There was a woman, and I may have already told this story. She had gone into her bedroom. She was done with life. 
She was absolutely done. She got out her husband's gun. She set it on the bed. And she said, God, I can't do this anymore. My husband has died. My kids have died. The one kid I have left is an alcoholic. He doesn't serve you. I'm out of money. I'm sick in my body. I've got all, I'm done. Put the gun on the bed. She knelt down by the bed and she said, but God, before I come to see you, I just want to thank you. And she said, I thank you for this. And I thank you for the ways that you've done this. And I remember the time. And as she began to thank him, that spirit of death began to lift off of her. As she began to get her eyes back on the one that was, she began to get a strength. And she began to stand up. And she said, my God, I I can face another day. And she put the gun away. She says, because when I think about the Lord and all that he's done for me, my soul begins to cry out, thank you, Lord. Because there's something that when we begin begin to focus on the comforter when we get to get in the presence of the comforter the wheels might be off but the car still drives baby so it doesn't matter what you're going through when everyone else is wringing their hands how can you stand there and say nothing is impossible with God it's one of the ways that the fire works the Holy Spirit is the comforter that can help you stay calm cool and collected in any situation Even facing the hardest situations, you can have peace and comfort in your soul. I'll never forget standing on the stage in Uganda with ISIS pointing machine guns at the stage and watching as I've got to preach the gospel to a crowd of 5,000 and be bold in my declaration. And on the inside, this little white boy from California who was way out of his depth and thinking, I'm going to die tonight, had a peace of the Holy Ghost. When I was held at gunpoint in Mexico by a man dressed up as a clown and my youth pastor crawled under the seat and was crying like a baby and literally said, take them, leave me. You ain't no man of God. I had a peace. You know what I did? I turned to that man with that... He had, I don't even know what it is. I don't know guns. I want to say it was like an AK-47. It was a machine gun looking thing. He pulled out of his balloon bag. I looked at him and I said, you know what your issue is? He looked at me like, what are you talking about, gringo? I said, your issue is that your daddy left you when you were three years old and you've been looking for him for years. And I gave him the gospel. He got saved. That man's a pastor in Mexico now. Because when you got the Holy Ghost, who's your comforter? You begin to recognize there's no bullet in hell that's got my name on it. Unless it's gone through the hands of my father. And if he's ready for me to come, baby, get me up. Beam me up, Jesus. Nothing like the presence of Jesus. So if it's my time, I'm out. There's a preach on me this morning. I can't help it. Number four, he teaches us God's will. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, even the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. John 16, 13. How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he shall guide you into all the truth. For he shall not speak from himself, but what things soever he shall hear, these shall he speak, and he shall declare unto you the things that are to come. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. And Jesus said of the Holy Ghost, he will only speak that which Jesus is speaking. He will testify of Jesus to you and lead you into all truth. So if you've got a situation you need truth on, you lean into the Holy Ghost and the Scripture will become alive to you. 
Anna and I love to have these little conversations because I, I, really, I really love Scripture in context. It's one, and, and she'll quote a Scripture, and I'll say, that's not the context of that. She goes, I don't care. The Holy Ghost gave it to me. I'm standing on it. So we have this little tug and pull. I'm like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not a football verse. Right? I mean... But for some people it works. It becomes a revelation to them that I literally, no matter what I face, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't mean that he makes you a better basketball player just because you quote Philippians 4.13. It means that he gives you the tenacity and the audacity to believe God in the face of persecution. He teaches us God's will. Have you ever read scripture and something just jump off the page to you? Like you get it and you're like, my God, I didn't realize that was there. I've read that scripture 154 times. And all of a sudden on the 155th time, it becomes alive to me. I remember one time I was reading Psalm 23 in preparation for a funeral. Because for some reason, that's the verse everyone uses at a funeral. And I'm reading Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And it smacked me in the face. And I went, why does that hit so hard? And the Lord said, because you've been resisting my crook. Huh? And he said, I've been pulling you this way, and you're pulling this way. And I want you to recognize that as the shepherd, I'll lead you. Oh, okay. Which then led me to John 10, my sheep know my voice. And another they will not listen to. And so scripture can jump off our page because the Holy Ghost teaches us. He speaks to us. He gives us insight that we don't have on our own. He's able to help us know God's will. Too many of us can't seem to get past our will. But when you get into the Holy Ghost, you get into the presence of the Holy Ghost, He begins to demonstrate and to to move on the inside of you. And all of a sudden, you know, oh, this is the path that I'm to go. My phrase lately is I'm just following the breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit. That's how I'm living day by day right now because I'm like, I can't look too far ahead. It's overwhelming. I can't, I can't figure a year out from now. Uh-uh. And I know we're supposed to be visionary people and have our five-year plan and our 10-year plan and all that. I can't do it. Uh-uh. I'm like, oh, there's a breadcrumb. Where am I? Oh, here we are. Okay, I'll just eat that, chew on that for a little bit and wait for the next one. Just following the breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if I had to make all the decisions I need to make in this hour, I'd go crazy. I need to know God's will. I need Him to to, to work the will of God in me. That's why Romans 12.1 says, Present your bodies as living sacrifices so that you may know the will of God. So when I present myself unto the Lord as a living sacrifice, my body's not my own. My will's not my own. My life is not my own. I present all of it to you, God. It's in that process of the purification. It's when He begins to regenerate me on the inside. When He begins to purify me. When He puts me in the fire. It's then that I begin to recognize, man, I was twisted about that and twisted about that. And I was confused about that. But now I see what the will of God is. Come on. I mean, you turn on the news. You turn on any prophetic channel these days and... There's so much stuff out there, and some of it sounds like truth. Some of it sounds good, tickles the ears. But the Holy Ghost, He'll help you wade through all that junk. For many of us, you just need to turn it off. Just don't even let it in. 
All right, point number five. He helps us to remember. Helps us to remember. Some of you got things you're like, I can't remember. He'll help you. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, even the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and what? Bring to your remembrance all that I said unto you. One of the ways that the fire works is that the Holy Spirit helps us to remember. He reminds us of the truth we've learned in Christ. I don't expect that with your natural mind that you will remember everything I've ever preached about. I ain't that good. I don't care how good you are. You're not going to remember everything that's ever been preached. You're not, but there are times when you get in a situation and all of a sudden truth starts coming back to you. Oh, that, that's what I need. This whole thing that I went to Houston for the past couple of days, in the process of this journey, the Lord began to bring to remembrance prophetic words. I'm not going to go into all the details of what I did the past two days because it would bore you to death, but I was given a machine that helps people's brains. I'll just set it right there, just like that. Helps people's brains. And I was like... God, what is this all about? Like, why, why am I walking down this path? What, what, is, what are these breadcrumbs about? And all of a sudden, he brought to my remembrance when I was 10 years old. My great aunt, who I've talked a little about, Aunt Vady, she was the most spiritual person I've ever known. She walked with God, never owned a car. God would translate her all over the place. Died at 108. Preached the gospel for over 90 years. Every Sunday after church, she'd come over to our house, whether we were at church or not, and she'd always tell me, if I wasn't at church, you should have been there this morning. With a big bag of spicy pig skins and a Dr. Pepper. That was her lunch every Sunday. Lived to be 108. There was something about the Holy Ghost in her, okay? <laughs> Passed away in her sleep. She sat down with me and she said, Jacob, I need to tell you something. She said, I see you with a machine that helps people's brains. You're not a doctor, but you have a machine that helps people's brains. Okay, Aunt Vady, whatever. Wrote it in the back of my Bible. Totally forgot about it. I don't use that Bible anymore. It's falling apart. Can barely open it without pages just falling out. I've had it already rebound. They can't rebind it again. So then I went to California a few weeks ago, and I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. Recalled the prophetic word that this person had prophesied over me. 2007. I see you with a machine helping people's minds you're not a doctor, but you're helping people. Okay, wrote it in my Bible. Here I am all these years later, and I was gifted, gifted a $20,000 machine that helps people's brains re regulate their nervous system. I'm not even a doctor. But what was the prophetic word? You're not a doctor, but you're helping people. Very interesting. He will help you to remember. Because I'm going, what am I doing this? I'm not a doctor. I don't need to do any of this. I've already spoken it to you years ago. There are things and situations that you will go through that in the middle of this situation, you will remember something that God spoke decades earlier. Some of you weren't even saved when God was speaking to you. And all of a sudden, decades later, you'll realize, that was God. God put that in me. God gave me that. You'll be in situations where some of you say, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I can't memorize Scripture. You'll get in situations, all of a sudden, Scripture will start coming back to you. 
Scripture will start coming up on the inside of you. John 7, 38 says, Out of your belly shall flow, flow rivers of living water. That living water is His Spirit. It will flow. You'll remember. Come on, somebody. That's what the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Spirit helps our natural mind recall supernatural things. See, our carnality, our carnal mind, puts a chasm between us and God. It separates us. But the Holy Ghost narrows that gap and helps us take on the mind of Christ. He helps us to remember the right thing at the right time so that we make the right decision. There's been times where I'm ready to sign on something and the Holy Ghost will go, uh-uh-uh, not yet, don't do that. Nope, remember what I spoke to you? I'll never forget. I'm not preaching against against tattoos. Let me make that very clear right now. Not preaching against tattoos. I always wanted a tattoo. I wanted a big one right on my arm. That was my plan. I was going to have this big tattoo right on my arm. And then maybe one across here. I know I don't look like a tattoo kind, but I wanted them, okay? I had an appointment to get a tattoo four hours away from where I live. Because I wasn't going to let anyone around me know that I was going to get a tattoo. Now, I'd had two prophetic words that I wasn't supposed to get a tattoo because of where God was taking me, it would be a turnoff to the people God was going to put me before. So, drive four hours, pull up. Who's sitting in the parking lot? My spiritual mother that God had woken up two hours before I'd gotten up and she'd been waiting two hours in that parking lot at that tattoo parlor. I got out of my car. She she goes, get in your car and go home. What are you doing? Sometimes we won't remember, but God will use other people around us to remind us of the prophetic word that he's put in us. This doesn't fit into your destiny. I'll never forget. I was in another country. I won't say which country, but I was meeting with the president of that country. And the president of that country asked me this question. He goes, do you have any tattoos? I said, no, sir, I don't. He says, good, because I wouldn't listen to anything you had to say if you did. Can you imagine walking in tattooed up and down my arm? What he would have said to me? You're not a prophet. Because for him, having tattoos was a sign of sin in his culture. So he wasn't going to listen to a prophet that had tattoos. You need to be led by the Holy Ghost. You need to be led by the Holy Ghost. Number six. He gives us the power to overcome the enemy. 1 John 4.4 Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because we we quote it all the time. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. One commentator says it like this. Greater is the Holy Spirit which is in you than the Spirit which is in the world. Unless we have the Holy Ghost working in our lives, the promises and the truth we learn from God's Word are unattainable because the enemy we face is too strong for us. We have a real enemy. Remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Bishop Bloomer said it years ago, This is war. You get saved, welcome to war. You get saved, you've entered into a spiritual warfare. You were already in it before because there was a wrestling to keep you from getting saved. But Jesus already overcame that battle. 
He already gave you access to that. But you get saved and the enemy is going to do everything he can to convince you otherwise of the truth. But you have already overcome because greater is he that is in you than he that roams around you. Come on, somebody. If it were a natural foe, we could possibly overcome him with natural means and strength. If I was going to pick a team, Cedric, you're you're up front, bro. But in the Holy Ghost, and Cedric's also pretty strong in the Holy Ghost. But in a spiritual fight, it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. I knew some little grandmas that could pray heaven down. In the old Pentecostal church, we'd say they grabbed holt of the mercy seat. Holt with a T. H-O-L-D-T. Holt of the mercy. And they could pray heaven down. You, you, needed, you needed breakthrough. You went to Sister May, who was blind and mostly deaf, but she could pray heaven down. There were, they, they knew something about prayer. They were strong in the spirit. They had built up their inner man in the Holy Ghost. The Lord will give us strength to overcome the enemy. He gives us power. Listen, willpower won't get it done. I know people with strong wills and they still have areas they can't overcome. Having good support from friends won't get the victory. It will help. But there comes a point in our lives where we as the individual need to get a hold of the Holy Ghost and let Him work on the inside of us so that we can begin to overcome the enemy on our own. Hallelujah. She knows I'm preaching good. It is as the Holy Spirit empowers us to fight in a different arena, a very spiritual one, that we gain victory. If you're having trouble fighting the enemy, if it seems that you're constantly on the short end of the stick in this fight, then you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do it on your own. You can't pray what you need to pray on your own. You can't get the wisdom of God on your own. You need the Holy Ghost. I, Dina, I can hear Jill Austin in the back of my head. It's Holy Ghost, not the. Holy Ghost. Drop the the. Sorry, Lord. Sorry. Number seven. He empowers us for service. Talked about that in Acts 6 in our little text that goes out. Sorry, I was with brain people for two days, so I, I didn't have capacity to write another devotional. Didn't happen this, this week. I, I was in training from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Friday, and then I had four hours of homework. And then I got up on Saturday and did it again from 8 to 3 and then had to take an exam. 100%. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know how I did it because my brain, learning about brains was over it. The Holy Ghost empowered me. I'm not kidding. I went into the bathroom before my exam and I went, I'm weak and unable, God. You're going to have to show up because I'm going to fail. Because I can't tell you what neuroplasticity means right now. I still can't tell you. I just have it written down in my notes. need some of our scientists over here, brain doctors. So in Acts 6, the disciples needed assistance to do the business of the church. What do they say? It, it, it's, it's not profitable for us to leave the prayer and the word to go do this. 
So Acts 6.3 says, Look ye out therefore, brethren, from among you seven men of good report, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who he may appoint over this business. You get, they were serving tables. They were feeding the poor, taking food to the widows, and they needed to be full of the Holy Ghost. I say it all the time, you need to be full of the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. They looked for men who, nat- who had natural ability and were full of wisdom, but they thought that that was just necessary. I'm sorry, but they thought that just necessary was that they be full of the Holy Spirit. They needed to be full. What me, what me, English, come back. What we must realize is that the Holy Spirit is not just something you have so you can worship better and feel better about a service. It's not to give you thrills and chills, Holy Ghost bumps. It's to empower you. He comes to empower you for service. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're not serving, something's wrong. I'm going to say that one more time so the people outside the building can hear it. Because no one's going to get convicted in here, right? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're not serving, something is wrong. You are wasting this power and misplacing the power somewhere else. You know what we need? I'm going to tell you what we need this morning. We need sound operators. We need children's workers. We need youth workers. We need outreach volunteers. We need people to serve. I'm just reading out of my notes. If you get convicted, it's just coming from the notes this morning. All right? I blame the notes. It's in there. Let me tell you this, though. Your natural gifting needs the empowering of the Holy Spirit because when you have the empowering of the Holy Spirit, you'll serve smarter, more effectively, and you won't burn out. Moving on. Number eight, he communicates for us and through us. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Don't worry, I'm, I'm almost to the last page of my notes. Some of you are like, I'm getting so convicted. Good. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 26 and 27. And in like manner, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmity. For we know not how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Holy Ghost is our direct pipeline to the Father. When we pray in other tongues, we're praying in a special prayer language that allows us to communicate with God and we pray what we should pray even when we don't know what we should pray. Can I just tell you, I pray way less in English than I do in the Holy Ghost. Because there's situations I don't know what to pray. There's scenarios I, I don't have English for it. There, there's been situations over the last week, calls that I've gotten from friends that I'm like, I'm so grieved over, I can't find English for it. Marriage is falling apart. Children committing suicide. How, how do you pray in English for that? I, 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 I couldn't find the words. So what do I do? And out of my belly begins to flow that intercession. And then all of a sudden I begin to find English. 
And I begin to pray what the Holy Ghost wants me to pray. And I begin to pray things. And I begin to see things happen. And I begin to see things shift. And I begin to see miracles break out. Because I'm not praying my will. I'm praying the will of the Father. So the Holy Spirit communicates to us. And He communicates through us. To us and through us. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For he that speaketh in a tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth, but in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. When we speak in tongues, and if you don't have it, we want you to get it. You need it. It's essential. It's like the gasoline for your engine. You need it to work. You need it to run. You need it. It's, not, it, 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 it's the icing. It's not the whole cake, though. Because what did I say before? The Holy Ghost comes to empower us. So if you just speak in tongues, but you ain't got no power, you need a fresh dose. You need to relate. You got a gift, but you ain't got a relationship. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of things that have happened, specifically in the Pentecostal churches, we made the apex of the Pentecostal church, Rondai Shandai, who shot the pecan down, should have bought a Kia, but about a Honda. And they've got no power. So they can glossolay, that's the Greek word for it, all day long. Shanda, baba, daba, baba. But there's no power that comes from it because they're not in relationship. And then we've got a whole sector that thinks tongues only happens with interpretation. Well, that's not what Scripture says. There is context for that. It's one of the reasons we don't really allow tongues and interpretation in our services because it has to be done in decency and in order. We, we want to put some structure around that. Now, we believe in it, and if it happens, we'll honor it, and we'll make sure it's the Holy Ghost. Remember, we talked about protecting the fire. Last week, we talked about putting some good parameters about, around it so people don't get burned and don't get hurt. So we, we, we get that. But I, I want to encourage you. Number one, if you don't have the gift of tongues, you need it. We'll pray for you to get it. Because you need it to build up your spirit, man. Jude says, "Praying in the build up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You need it. But it's, it's the icing on the cake. It's not the whole cake. You still need the power. Amen? Number nine, to witness. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses in conjunction. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? To be my witnesses. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit is crucial because He enables and empowers us to witness. People are always like, I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know how to share my testimony. Get in the Holy Ghost. He'll give you wisdom and He'll point out who you need to talk to. How much easier would evangelism be if we knew who the Holy Spirit was drawing? Right? Come on, some. I'm preaching better than you respond. That's okay. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is not just about goosebumps and other tongues. His purpose is to give us that extra amount of courage and desire to share the gospel with others. We should want to share the gospel. It should be a desire of our hearts to be witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus for the world to know. It wasn't natural ability or boldness that caused that intimidated group of disciples to become great witnesses. 
It was after they'd received the Holy Spirit that they were able to get out of their upper room, out of their small group and comfort zone to reach out to others. Acts 1.8 tells us from the very beginning that we will receive power to witness when we receive. The Holy Spirit isn't just for you. It's really about those you're called to reach. Too many of you are too quiet about Jesus. It's time for you to get so filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that you can't be contained. So full of the Holy Spirit that you won't be intimidated or embarrassed to open your mouth and be a witness. I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you told someone about Jesus? When was the last time you shared your faith with somebody? It is power to be bold about Jesus. It's not about how outgoing you are. It's not about personality type. The Holy Ghost made Peter so bold that he preached that day. The Holy Spirit will make you bold. I, I, I'm pretty extroverted. It's just kind of my personality type. The older I get, the more introverted I become. But I, I still have times where I'm like, oh, I don't want to share the gospel with that person. What if they don't like me? Holy Ghost said to me one day, it's not you they don't like, it's me. And you know what my response was? Just came out, but if they only knew you. You know what he said back to me? How will they know if you don't tell them? I couldn't sit for a week after that. Some of you caught that. It is power to be bold about Jesus. This is power beyond yourself and in spite of yourself. Mike, if you'll put on some music back there. Number 10. I'm going to close with this before we have a time of communion this morning. He gives gifts. But I'm not going to talk about that this morning. We'll talk about that next week. I want you to begin to serve in power. I want you to begin to overcome the enemy. Some of you need to be filled or refilled this morning. We pray that your life was impacted today by the presence of God. For more information about the Equipping Church or to give online, please visit www.equippingchurch.us.